CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. If they're not willing to meet you halfway or put in the work to make it work with you, then they're not your person. They're not your soulmate and they're definitely not right for you. There is no perfect person and no perfect partner. There's only the person that wants to make it work with you and the person that you want to make it work with. It's Violet Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for but need. Welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hi, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, the largest self-love podcast and movement, your number one destination for personal growth and transformation. I'm your big sister and your host, Violetta. Today, we are going to dive in everything you need to know on forming a healthy relationship, specifically also what happens in the beginning of dating. It took me a while to write this episode out, but I'm very proud of it and you're going to love it, okay? Before we get started, do not forget to subscribe to this podcast if you're not already subscribed. You are currently listening to Almost Adulting, so go ahead and tap subscribe, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube, or anywhere else that you are listening. We have new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you never miss out. And of course, if you love today's episode, please feel free to write me a five-star review on the podcast app. I read all of them. They're very helpful for my podcast and I always really appreciate them. Okay, let's get started. So the beginning of dating is great. It's exciting and it's fun, but it's also scary because in the beginning stages of a relationship, you look over your person and the more you like them and the more you get those feel good feelings, the higher the stakes become of the fact that you could lose them at any moment, that they could hurt you and be careless with your heart. Everything that's amazing about love and relationships, well, here's the thing, if it's amazing, then there's also the possibility that we're gonna lose it. They kinda always go hand in hand, right? So for example, if you're incredibly happy in this moment, that is a fleeting moment. And the fact is, you're definitely going to lose it. It doesn't last, feelings constantly change. So. You can never experience true joy without the actual grief of it passing. You can't really experience true love without being aware of the pain of it going away, which is why (laughs) I went down this whole rabbit hole to see kind of what dating experts said about the beginning stages of dating. I read everything so you didn't have to. I read the do's and the don'ts, the red flags how you should talk five times a day to your new partner. But then some people were like, uh, no, you should only talk to them a few times a week. And the other person was like, no, talk to them at least 25 times a week. Or, you know, then they clearly have a secret family. If they don't talk to you every second that they're awake and breathing. So my point is, all these dating experts has so many different opinions and different things to say about what you should and shouldn't do in the beginning of dating, what red flags are 
and what they believe the red flags are not and green flags and yellow flags and all that. And all the opinions were different. So I was looking for the one thing that everyone agreed on. And that was when it comes to the beginning of dating, the one thing all experts agreed on was that it's so normal. The two most common emotions in the beginning of dating are doubt and anxiety. And here's the thing. You don't actually have to be fully healed to date. I'm here to tell you that right now. So if you're considering dating, but you feel like you haven't fully healed or you don't know what you want, you don't know what you're looking for, I'm telling you right now, you can still go out there and you can date because you get to learn what you like, what you don't like when you're dating. You get to heal yourself and grow as a person and learn from others when you're dating. All of this anxiety that we feel, guess what? You're not alone. We all feel that because it's very scary to be vulnerable. It's scary to potentially love someone and know that any minute they may stop loving us back. Losing someone is scary, but guess what? You're going to keep breaking up with people until you find your match. And pushing people away to protect yourself is still going to hurt you the same way if you gave the relationship a chance and then it didn't work out. But then at least with the latter, you actually tried. And then you will never have to wonder, what if? Our biggest lessons when it comes to love will actually be from the people that it didn't work out with. Because no one teaches us more about love than the people that never loved us. We don't get to choose who we love and who loves us back. Just because you love someone doesn't mean that they have to love you back. Just because they loved you yesterday also doesn't mean that they're not allowed to change their minds. Because the truth is, the person that you're currently thinking is your soulmate who has not been texting you back or reciprocating your attention and love isn't actually your soulmate. Because your soulmate is the person that chooses you the same way you keep choosing them. I used to believe in romantic soulmates and how when you meet them, you'll just know. I used to believe that you'll always know in that moment because it'll feel easy and they'll just sweep you off your feet. But then I realized that soulmates are made, not found. I believe that soulmates are people you meet who want to make it work with you at the same time that you want to make it work with them. Last month in my episode with Jay Shetty on my podcast, he made a really good valid point that really stuck with me. And that is that we often ask the wrong questions in the beginning of dating. Like, are they the right person for me? Is there someone better? And even though those questions are valid, we ignore the fact that there isn't just one right person for us. There's no perfect partner because we can't even be the perfect partner. And there's no perfect relationship. It's not about whether someone is right for you. It's whether you both want to make it right. Our relationship cannot work unless both people want to make it work. That is literally the foundation of a relationship. That is going to be the lesson. I'm telling you this now in the first 10 minutes of the episode. So if now you're bored, <laughs> you can stop listening because that is actually how you will survive your relationship. It's where you both show up for each other every single day. So it doesn't matter how perfect you may believe someone is. If they're not willing to meet you halfway or put in the work to make it work with you, then they're not your person. They're not your soulmate. And they're definitely not right for you. There is no perfect person. 
and no perfect partner. There's only the person that wants to make it work with you and the person that you want to make it work with. And the only way to make it happen is to keep showing up for each other and communicating and taking accountability instead of pointing the finger at them. The coping mechanisms that we all have that we develop as children to protect ourselves, to survive, whether it was limiting the amount that you felt abandoned growing up or when you felt rejected or ignored or hurt or bullied or like you were too much or like you weren't enough, whatever it may be, you develop coping mechanisms to protect yourself when you grew up and it helped you get to exactly where you are today. So, you know, pat yourself on the back. It helped you. But unfortunately, these same coping mechanisms that helped you survive as a child are now holding you back from forming healthy relationships. When we start to date, we hold a mirror to ourselves And the closer and more vulnerable that we get with our partner, the larger this mirror gets to the point that eventually we can't ignore it anymore. And this mirror is going to reflect all of our bad habits that we kept hidden for so many years, our shame, our insecurities, what we hate about ourselves, any unhealed trauma that we ignored, and any old behavior patterns that we thought we fixed. And it will slowly begin coming to light. One thing you need to understand is that We are actually the worst narrators of our own lives. So as long as you base your reality on cognitive distortion antidotes, and I'm sorry for having such an accent when I say that, but those basically stem from the coping mechanisms that you develop as a child. And I'll explain in a second what cognitive distortion means. If you continue to do that, you will continue to be an unreliable narrator of your own life. And then you will continue to create a reality that's distorted from your actual reality. You're going to continue to create a bad reality of your current experiences since your reality of your memories and your experiences are based on how you feel about yourself in this exact moment. So if you're not careful, you may accidentally blame, hurt, and project your unhealed pain and trauma onto your new partner and sabotage the relationship before it ever starts. So to give you an example of what cognitive distortion feelings include, and this just more has to do with anxiety and depression, it's in the beginning of dating, you can start feeling and thinking a false reality, which is all or nothing thinking, jumping to conclusions, overgeneralizing, aka, well, if my ex didn't love me, then neither will my current partner. Personalization. So that means... Everything that is currently happening is because I exist. Like if people are being weird in this room full of people, it's because of me and so on. There's also emotional reasoning. So instead of using logic, that means if I'm feeling ugly, then it must be true. Or if I feel like no one loves me today in this exact moment, then it must be my current reality. So by the way, that's not true. And then lastly, it's uh, shoulds. So that means you should have known how I was feeling, or we should only do things this way, and so on. That's just some parts of it, but there's so many different things. So that is why the beginning of dating, especially when you like someone, can feel so scary because you are not only scared they're going to leave you, but you are now forced to learn more about yourself. And not everyone is ready for this. And not everyone is ready for that because you may not always like what you see. But part of dating when you get to look at the reflection of yourself and see things you don't like is that your partner is supposed to be your partner and you are supposed to be a team 
and you're supposed to get through it together. So in your new relationship, you got to start paying attention to how you react to certain things. And before you rush into blaming the other person for making you feel pain or making you feel small, what if you took a step back and asked yourself, why am I reacting like this? Like, for example, if when you're upset, you say very hurtful things in that moment to your partner, or you criticize them, or you blame them, and it becomes your reality, now your reality is the story in your head on who your partner may be based on how they made you feel during the conflict that you guys had. But if you took a step back, you would realize that the story you now created of your partner being, you know, a shitty person, whether it's true or not, it may actually stem from you just hurting inside, but not from what, how they made you feel, but from something else. So instead of blaming and shutting down and creating a false narrative story in your brain that now your partner must be a narcissist or a terrible person or they don't love you, they don't care about you, you may realize that you're shutting down or you're blaming or you're being mean because it's actually just one of your coping mechanisms that you used to use as a child. So what if you dug deeper inside to figure out, okay, how am I hurting? So let's say my story is that I'm hurting because my partner is mean and a terrible person. Okay, well, why are they a terrible person? Well, I guess because they weren't there for me today and I was clearly sad and I needed them and they didn't notice it. And boom, there it is. So I name call them and I got angry and I blame my partner for my pain when in reality, I'm hurting because when my partner didn't realize how sad I was today, it made me feel like I don't matter to them and that my feelings are not as important to them like I thought they were. And I just want to matter to them. And it's actually a really sad place for me because when I feel like I don't matter to the people that I love, it makes me feel powerless just like I did as a child. So right now I'm projecting and I'm getting angry at the wrong thing to protect myself because this is my coping mechanism that I used to do as a kid. And I've gotten so good at it. You know, I've gotten so good at protecting myself by blaming other people and pointing fingers and shutting down and self-sabotaging when I feel like I don't matter. This is how I think I'm being strong. But the reality is that it's no longer a strength for you. You're not a child anymore. You don't need this coping mechanism to survive. It's just a way that I protect the fact that I'm hurting and it's not helping me anymore. Now as an adult, it's hindering my relationship. So once you process that and you realize, oh, okay, my reaction towards my partner has less to do with them and more to do with how I feel inside, which is my fear of not mattering to the people that I love. Because when I feel like I don't matter, it makes me feel worthless. And mattering to my partner is really, really important to me. And it makes me sad. Because everyone has this vulnerable little person inside of them. And the only reason that they're acting out or weird or getting angry is because they're just trying to protect themselves. And in that moment, it's really hard to recognize that when your partner is lashing out at you and acting out in a way that hurts you, that the more obnoxious their behavior looks like, the more wounded and in need of love they really are. So a good example would be if 
Imagine if you're a parent and your five-year-old child is standing on top of the stairs and they go, I hate you, mommy. I'm leaving. I wrote a letter and I've had enough. Okay. I'm leaving right now. So the parent would go, oh, that's so cute. They love me so much. They're being so dramatic right now. They're just trying to get my attention. They're so cute when they're upset. Aw, you're angry with me? Okay. Anyway, the mom knows that the only reason her five-year-old is standing at the top of the stairs and shouting and being dramatic and writing some goodbye letter is because they must be really hurting to be doing this to try to get my attention It's a silly little harmless child that's actually just begging to be heard, to be loved, to be acknowledged by me, their mother. That's a very hard transition to make with our partner. The more they seem reactive, whether it's to shut down, blame you, minimize, being defensive and so on, it's because they must be really, really hurting inside to act that way. And again, I'm not justifying those people's emotions. This episode right now is for the people who are those partners that are acting out. I'm trying to help you understand why you may react the way you have. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I would say there's no angry people in the world. There's just the people that look angry when they're really, really, really hurting inside. So now, instead of going back to your old coping mechanisms and pushing your partner away when you actually need them the most, how about you communicate how you feel and why it hurts so much? Like, hey, I was really sad today and you not noticing made it even worse for me. I felt so powerless because knowing that I'm important to you means so much to me. Imagine if you did that instead of lashing out because in order to build a healthy relationship, you have to communicate including having the tough conversations that we don't want to have because they are actually the exact conversations that are crucial to making a healthy relationship work and building that foundation. When we're forced to be vulnerable and admit our flaws and our pain and our needs, that's what you need to do to build that foundation. You have to tell people how you want to be loved. You have to stop assuming that people love the same way that you do. Stop assuming that people can read your mind when you're hurting. Because when you do that, you're setting your partner up for failure when you assume that they should just know what you need or that they must not care about you rather than just ask how you want to be loved and what you need. Sometimes we think that if someone doesn't love us, if someone doesn't show love the way that we do, that it's not there, but it's not true. You're going to end up spending so much time 
breaking your own heart, thinking that people don't love you until one day you're going to realize that they're all trying, but you just don't know what it felt like. You don't know what it looks like. But most importantly, you never bother to ask how you want to be loved because you just assume that people wouldn't care or that they would leave or that you're a burden. But how would you know what they would say or what they would do unless you ask? It's not a weakness to tell people how you want to be loved. It's a strength. Because if you tell someone, this is how I feel loved, then now they get to choose whether or not they want to love you in that way. We so often want to be loved the same way we show love that often we don't even realize that we actually miss out on all the other beautiful ways that we can be loved by the people around us. So when we're hurting, when we react, when we withhold affection or information, when we shut down, when we forget, we forget that our reactions are hurting our partners as well. Because when two people that are important to each other are in a moment of a disconnect or a fight, then there's four things that are happening. Number one, I'm hurting because being connected to you means so much to me, which leads me to number two, where now my coping mechanisms come in to protect myself which are causing me to react and to protest the fact that I'm hurting, aka I'm going to shut down, I'm going to yell, I'm going to threaten to break up and so on because I can't tolerate being vulnerable. So I'm going to take out my pain on my partner, which then number three happens. I'm hurting my partner instead of communicating. So now they're like, whoa, I'm not enough again. This is validating how I actually feel deep inside for myself as a child. Oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, I must be hard to love. I can't do anything right. So now your partner is hurt. So then they react with their coping mechanism. So that leads us to number four. Now your partner reacts in the best way they know how with their own coping mechanisms, which then causes you to react back and have even more blame towards them, more mean words, which then causes your partner to double down and react even more defensive, feeling even smaller. And then it's back and forth, back and forth, like a ping pong ball where you both feel unloved and alone. So then how do we avoid this? Well, relationship and dating expert Figs, who was on my podcast forever ago, he says that that is when we realize that all roads to a better relationship have to pass through our ability to see that this is not a me problem or a you problem, but an us problem. And it's an us problem because both of us are hurting right now because we mean so much to each other. And both of us are reacting in different ways because our connection seems to be threatened in ways that are actually making things worse. Because when two people that love each other, they're always going to scare the shit out of each other because every day we get closer, we are that much more important to each other. And it's going to look like, did you go away when I thought you were here with me? Where did you go? And then the other person hears you saying that, they're going to think, oh, oh my God, am I in trouble again? Right, okay. Two people who love each other, they're always going to scare the living daylights out of each other all the time. But the only reason that they're scaring the living daylights out of each other is because they mean so much to each other. So I am seeing someone, and I'll keep it short, and the other day we had a disagreement and, well, no, I don't know what happened, but something that he did, something small caused me to react in such a defense mechanism type of way, which I didn't realize yet, but it caused me to react to completely blow up, to then 
pull away to then say, we should just end things. I don't want to do this. And I completely thought I was right, but I said not nice things. I said some hurtful things. And then I just ran away, which is my coping mechanism, how I deal with things. And I didn't know it was still in me. I thought I grew out of it. I thought I thought it was better. And then boom, I was holding a mirror to myself because that's what happens when you date people. And instead of dealing with that, I ran. And I was feeling a lot of hate towards my person from that night to the next morning when I woke up, even though he actually came over to my house to try to make it work. And then um, we did. But when he came over to my house to talk about it, which I didn't want to talk about it, but he was looking at me and he was trying to have a conversation. He was trying to communicate, but I felt so much anger and so much hate towards him. And I didn't understand why until I finally the next day sat down and thought about it. And I realized that there's this thing that they say that the way people fall in love with someone is based on how they see themselves through their partner's eyes. So when my partner came to my house, trying to have a conversation with me, trying to make it work with me, and that was making me angry, it was because I felt so much shame just looking at him because his face forced me to hold a mirror up to myself and see a side of myself that I don't like. So that night when I felt anger towards him, when I would look at him and the next morning when I felt anger towards him, when I would think about him, it had nothing to do with him. It was misdirected anger because every time I thought about him and every time I had to look at his stupid face, it would remind me of how much I hated myself or how I reacted. It was misdirected anger. I hated myself for who I became in that moment. I felt so much shame around how I acted. I felt humiliated that I even settled those mean things. I felt embarrassed that I didn't heal that part of me that I thought I already healed. I didn't understand my reaction. And every time I looked at him, I had to be reminded of how embarrassing I am and what a child I am and all the shame was coming to light. And I didn't like the person that I saw when I would look at him. And it was me. That's where it was coming from. It had nothing to do with him. It was the part where I should have known better. Once I realized that, I told him and we talked it out. And I will say one thing that's so annoying, <laughs> dating an emotionally mature guy is so stressful because he will literally just apologize straight away when I'm annoyed. And it's like, okay, now what am I supposed to do with all of my anger? <laughs> but anyway, the emotions that you label as negative are often the most helpful ones. Negative emotions are just you learning how to gain control over your emotions by relabeling them. Because sometimes people are going to surprise you, even you're going to surprise yourself. And one thing I will say, this experience with my lover, my partner, whatever he is, this experience has, not only did it slowly bring us closer every time we communicate, but it brought up things in me that I thought I buried. And I, especially because of what I do for a living, I always think, well, all the research I do, all my logical thinking, then I should know better. But the thing is, no matter how many books you read or how much you try to use logic, emotions are how you feel. And you have to experience things. You have to communicate. You have to talk about your feelings. You have to feel things in order to really, really get through it all. But I'm glad that this time I didn't ignore it or push it back down or the worst thing that you can do, which is not grow from your experiences and instead blame the person in front of you that's trying to make things work with you 
for your reactions or how you think they made you feel because it only hinders you. Even if whatever he did upset me, a mature partner in a healthy relationship would have communicated, hey, this is how this makes me feel. And then I would have given him a choice. He would have then had a choice whether to fix it, to make me feel safe or to choose to not make things better so then I know where we stand in our relationship. Instead, I chose to react by having a fight, by pulling back, by running away. A healthy relationship is what happens after the initial chemistry. It's committing to each other and showing up and owning your shit when you're wrong. It's showing up for each other every single day to make it work from the good days to the not so good days. A relationship is never going to work if only one person shows up. Both people have to keep showing up for each other. Both people have to stay and make a commitment to do better and to make it work. That means that even right now that every time I've gotten annoyed and my partner has been kind enough to chase after me and to communicate with me, eventually it's not going to be enough because both people need to show up and do the work. That's why I'm glad that this time I had the moment to sit and think about my reactions, how I acted, and to communicate and apologize and understand where I was wrong. A healthy, lasting relationship happens when both people keep showing up for each other, not only when things are good, but you have to start paying attention to how your partner or people in general show up when things get uncomfortable, because that will tell you how long your relationship is going to last. So that means if someone reacts with defense mechanisms like I did the other night, that relationship is not going to last very long, you know, because I'm saying this is someone who didn't handle herself that well. How I showed up during that conflict, I got to see myself and how I handled things by myself when things got uncomfortable. I disrespected my partner and then I bolted. I didn't show up for him or for us. It was uncomfortable for me to then admit that to myself because then I had to admit that I was wrong or that I failed. But I'm glad that instead of pointing fingers, which was what we all tend to do, even when, you know, I give advice to you know, pay attention to how people show up when things get uncomfortable. I just know the 99% of the people listening take a look at how their partners acted versus trying to figure out if they themselves reacted in ways that were unlike themselves, you know? And whether or not me and this guy end tomorrow or we date forever, it doesn't matter because I got to learn a lot about myself from that night. And to be fair, I've been learning a lot about myself just from dating him overall. So I'm already pretty thankful for this experience. I'm happy I didn't shut down or choose not to date because that night, even though we made up, because I said my partner so far has just been chasing me to communicate every time I'm annoyed and immediately just ready to apologize and throw in the towel, it doesn't feel comfortable for me or good for me anymore. If you demand a good and healthy partner that makes you feel safe, then you need to be that partner as well. So I would never want to disrespect him or any other partner I will ever have in my life. It's not okay. I want to be a better partner, whether it's with my current person or future partner. I want to be the partner that I'm seeking. So I asked myself that night, is this working for me? Acting like this, running away from the first sign of anything that makes me uncomfortable, makes me feel negative emotions, what I consider negative. And the answer was, no, it's not working for me anymore. I don't like this. I don't like running away. I don't like not showing up for people who try to make it work with me. I don't like 
cutting out of relationships and then always wondering what if, what if I actually tried? Because when you hold back from being vulnerable, not only is that a disservice to yourself, but you're robbing the people around you from being able to love you and show up for you the same way you always show up for them. You're robbing them from getting to experience, getting closer to you and making you feel safe. It's not fair that you get to share all the good times with these people and laugh together, but then you cry alone and you don't allow other people to be there for you. Being vulnerable is so important because when it comes to dating, not only does it make you open to love and it takes your relationship to another level, but it helps you figure out your feelings. And most importantly, being vulnerable exposes what's not for you faster. It closes the door faster to the people that are not right for us while opening new doors to new love, better love. So the older I'm getting, the more I'm starting now to pay closer attention to the people that enter my life. With every new partner, I'm starting to feel like I'm one step closer to evolving into my true self and finding my person. Every partner that I meet now is becoming more and more a mirror of myself. Only this time, I'm learning how to not run away. I'm choosing to face these mirrors and take the lessons that I'm meant to learn from them. So with that being said, what are you going to decide to do today? Are you going to run or are you going to face yourself and heal? I hope it's the latter. Okay. Love you besties. Have a beautiful day. And don't forget to leave me five-star review if you enjoyed this episode on the podcast app. Mwah.